Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. Join us on a deep dive into the heart of what makes writing songs and making music so magical. Let's find out what makes songwriters tick, and along the way, remember why we love music. Welcome to Pitch List. Hey everybody, Chris here. Thank you for listening to Pitch List. My guest today became a writing phenom almost as soon as she hit the music row scene. Still in her 20s, she already has a Grammy for her song, Thy Will. She slides easily between pop, urban, and country, and her absolutely engaging honesty and confessional personality pulls you like a magnet to steel. She's a writer who learned early that truth is better than fiction, that real is better than made up. She continues to reign over Music Row as well as release her own music, and I get the feeling that she's just getting started. Here's Emily Wisebend. Good morning! I've got a great episode of Pitch List for you guys today. I'm really excited. I've been excited ever since I heard about this. Um... We have the fabulous Emily Wiseband on this morning to talk to us about songwriting and her career. How are you, Emily? Hi, I'm so good. How are you? Oh, fantastic, man. I've been up all morning. I got up early. I was listening to some more. I knew a lot of your songs, but I was really kind of going in deep on your catalog. You're an incredible writer. Oh, wow. thank you. <laughs> I'm sure that's a known fact at this point, but I'm just saying it. I know everybody knows it, but wow. Well, I never get tired of hearing it, so thank you. Oh, stop. Did I pay awesome. you? Yeah. Um, I tell you one that I can't... We'll start with this. I mean, you won a Grammy for this song, Thy Will. What What a song. Thank oh, my God. You. It was It was crazy. It's one of those songs where um, it'll probably mean something to me someday where I didn't feel like I wrote it, you know? There there's some songs I've been a part of where I I listen to them and I it it's speaking to me like just a listener. Like I had nothing to do with writing it and Thy Will is one of those. So it's just proof that writers you really are just vessels for like a bigger thing. I truly believe that because I think music's such a spiritual transaction. And um yeah, Thy Will's the gift that keeps on giving for sure. I'm sure it'll mean something to me just as a listener one day. So yeah, it's special. Well, that's awesome. We love to talk about songwriting process. Can you talk some more? I think it's so important what you just said that uh, you, you felt like you were channeling or sort of just uh, brought to you a gift. Can you talk some more about that? I think it's critical for writing. Yeah, it really is. Um, I wrote Thy Will. I, I want to say I was like 22. I was going through kind of a dark time, man. Um, I was kind of having a crisis in the sense of like, I was raised a certain way and uh, I was raised in church really. And I was kind of questioning my faith a lot um, at that time in my life. It's just, you know, you grow up and you're, you leave your house and you know, you start saying, I've been told this my whole life. Do I actually think that? Or am I just trying to please my parents? <laughs> you know, I think every young adult has that moment. Um, so I was kind of, I had kind of walked away from everything that I grew up believing for a couple of years. And, um, I actually was a part of writing thy will during that time. And, um, so that's why it's so funny because it was such a 
big Christian song. And I wouldn't even go venture to say I was a Christian at the time when I wrote it. So um, <laughs> that's what I mean when I say I was obviously channeling something bigger than myself. But um, I, yeah, I, I went into the room and Hillary was there and it was my first time meeting her. And she was, she just started really opening up to me and our co-writer Bernie about some things that her and her husband had been going through. And um, yeah, she said, it was just very real. I, I know she said this on the internet, so I feel like I can say it here with you. Um, but she just kept asking God why he would, you know, allow her to be hurt in the way that she was hurt at the time. And um, she said every time she went to pray, all she could think to say was that I will be done. Like she had no other words. Um, and so she's like, I just want to write that. So it was actually a very... Um, in-process song for Christian music at the time. Um, Christian radio, you know, you, you hear a lot of like red bow tied up finished stories and you don't hear a ton of, you know, in-process moments on the radio. And I know that there are a lot of artists working toward that being more of a thing in Christian music, but definitely at the time, I mean, it was kind of, from what I heard was kind of a sketchy song to be playing on Christian radio because of how not, perfect the singer was um so yeah it was it was just kind of you know when you start getting in touch with those real parts of yourself and you start just kind of laying it out loud on the table I mean it's hard for you not to channel something bigger than you you know because at the end of the day we are all going through our personal you know things and our personal pains and hurts but in the very core of every human being we're the exact same um, and we all long for the same things and the same things make us tick. And um, so, yeah, that's the joy of a songwriter is to plug into, you know, these personal individual things that, you know, make your life unique and then find the universal truth that is in that personal thing. And um, the journey to kind of single out those universal truths and turn them into songs that, that, you know, I love when I go to concerts and, you know, there's 10,000 people there and for three minutes, nothing about their personal walk of life matters. Just this song, 10,000 people are singing the same song and they're all completely different and have completely different things going on. And so the fact that writers have the power to create that moment for humans to be that united for three minutes. I mean, I think that's a really big spiritual deal if you ask me, you know? Oh, it is. It is. And I love what you said about the song. It is very real and it isn't tied up in a bow and it doesn't check. I, I've written a few Christian songs, but I don't, I'm not in that world. But I, and we, I know people that are and there are somewhat of some boxes that need to be ticked in those yeah. songs. And, but here's the thing. That song's more seeking, which is really where people live. And I'm, yes. glad, I'm glad it went through because I think that's closer to most people's reality. And I think that a song like that could actually bring more people to God than one that's ticking boxes that people might oh, not think sure. is so sincere. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to spend the whole time talking about that, but that's just an incredible, incredible song. And, uh, you know, we all wander in the desert, you know what I mean? And we come in and out of faith and it's a hard thing. Oh, to, yeah. It's a hard thing to swallow some of the, the things that we're taught and some of the things that don't jive with, with, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough walk. And, um, I love that song. 
I love it. But Thank I want to move on. I want to move on because I know okay. you've got all kind of, I mean, you've got a lot of gears, man. You've got a lot of gears. <laughs> you've got killer, you're right, killer girl country songs. You've got that side of you. And then you have your old, your artist thing, which is really a pop thing. It's kind of mm -hmm. crazy. Did you grow up listening to country music or pop or both or what, how did that work? Um, I grew up listening to everything. I, I, my dad loves music. So he had us listening to Cat Stevens and Joni Mitchell and the Carpenters and then he would, you know, go on a, he loved songwriters. So I remember being like 10 years old and him sitting me down and we watched Skip Ewing videos for like an hour, you know, <laughs> who great. people listening to this don't know Skip Ewing is like an iconic country writer from, you know, back in the day. And yep. so, yeah, I, and then I grew up on honestly, pop punk, Christian music. I grew up on just cause I was raised in church. So worship music was a part of what we listened to in the house and, um, you know, then I got a Maroon 5 songs about Jane record when I was like 10 and I started, you know, listening to that more and I started writing songs when I was 11. So, um, honestly I hadn't, I didn't have a boyfriend until I was 16. So I couldn't really write about boys cause I didn't really know about them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it was just like the more that life started happening to me, the more I started writing about different things. And I loved so many different styles of music that I would you know, try to write a song like, like that gospel song I heard or try to write a song about with, you know, that R&B influence that I was listening to or whatever it was. So yeah, I think, you know, there was no one thing that I listened to more than another thing. And um, I also think that no matter what genre of music you're writing, again, it goes back to my thing of humans were all the same. <laughs> so if I can just learn, I, I do... I did want to be a very versatile writer where I could go into a pop room and write a pop song with some people and then go into a gospel room and write some gospel music and then go into a country room and write what they needed in that room. And so um, if I could learn a few rules from each genre and then tie it back into what I know to be true about all humans, um, I could kind of get by in any room, which, you know, worked out. Which, which has worked out and which is rare. It's, <laughs> I, I'm not... I, you know, there, it's not, it's rare. It's rare the way you're doing it, but you know, you have a great musical education, the car, Karen Carpenter. I mean, I, I can never get anybody to, I'm just going to bring it up because maybe you're a, do you like, do you yeah. like Karen Carpenter? Yes. Love her stuff. I mean, uh -huh. to me still, her voice is still one of the best female radio oh. voices ever. Yeah. Well, you listen to people like that's voice and you go, Oh, that's Karen Carpenter, you know? And yeah. I used to love that about voices. That's what I like about somebody like Billie Eilish or even Dua Lipa and like some of these newer like pop stars, Ariana Grande, you hear their voice. There are a million voices in the world singing songs, but you hear those voices and you go, oh, that's Dua Lipa. That's oh, right. that's Ariana. You don't need to look up the song to know who it is because their voice sounds like that. And people like Joni Mitchell and Karen Carpenter, they had that quality to their voice where one of their songs comes on and you know it's them. Yep. Yep. Now, do you do now? I, and I know you're about you're out promoting your record in the world of the pandemic, so that's going to be quite the uh, challenge mm -hmm. for everyone. Um, but a normal when you're not promoting a record, do you write? Do you have like a country songwriter schedule? Do you write four and five days mm -hmm. a week, and or not? Or how, how's your process? Yeah. So um, before 2020, I was writing five days a week. Um, really no questions asked, sometimes doubles. Um, I, 
I try to work my ass off, man. I figure if you show up, it's a numbers game. Something good's bound to happen, you know? And um, so typically I do that. But then when it got into 2020, I started doing more Zoom meetings, Zoom rights, things like that. And then um, I got some new management and just decided, you know, I'm never going to know about what I could do with all of my own music unless I I really balls to the wall, like put two feet into it and, and just dare to suck, you know? So um, that process looks a little different. These days, um, I'm writing a couple days a week for myself. I'll usually take one day a week and do content, which, oh my God. Sometimes I... <laughs> I'm just going to be open about it. I'm a songwriter. I love making music. Um, I like playing with makeup sometimes and stuff like that, but I ain't no content creator, man. It's just not, it's not my uh, bread and butter. And in this world with the internet and also with 2020, us not being able to go in, in person with people, there's a lot more being done on TikTok and on Instagram and, you know, on, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook live and it's live and all that stuff. So I'll usually take one day a week and just try to, you know, make some kind of content that just connects with people and gives something, gives people something to watch um, or listen to. And then two days a week, one or two days a week, I'm writing for other people still because um, it's just what I do, man. I love writing songs and I love connecting with artists and helping them kind of, you know, tell their stories and, the artist world gets so me, 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 me. It's like pictures of me, videos of me, uh, interviews about me and my career and my music and my point of view and blah, 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 exactly what we're doing right now. And it's so depressing, honestly, <laughs> to be that like me, 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 honestly. So having a couple days a week where I'm working outside of myself a little bit and trying to put myself in somebody else's shoes and um, write songs from that place has been a really healthy part of me creating for myself that um, I really appreciate. And it also fuels my, my songwriting career that is still going, you know, I still have things in the, in the shoot that I've been planting seeds for years and years. And so, um, yeah, every, every once in a while, a seed I planted a few years ago will grow into a plant or something. And then mm-hmm. I get to, you know, enjoy that. So it's a little bit of everything these days. Well, I think, um, I think that, that, you know, having your roots as a writer, mm-hmm. every time I've ever seen this, it just makes you such a better artist you yeah. know? because you still have all those instincts of wanting to get in a room and help somebody craft something for themselves. But when you're the artist, I don't know, you can still do that for yourself, but you can bring in other people that can help you. I think it's, I think it's really, it's just, yeah. it's just such a total, there's such, there's something so, and I just kind of wanted to touch on it. Something so great about the whole and it's worldwide, but the Nashville mm-hmm. system is pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's just, boy, once you get into that, it's hard to ever even leave that no matter what other mm-hmm. things you have going that you want, you want to get your, keep your toe in that pool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's such a, I learned craft in Nashville. Yeah. You know, and my, I went to LA and I learned about danger and creativity and pushing the boundaries of there's no rules, you know? Um, and so being able to have, both of those influences um, to marry that danger and creativity with point blank craft. Um, It's been a really beautiful thing for me and the community in Nashville amongst songwriters and publishers and just the whole machine is, I mean, it's an addicting thing. The community here is just like, it feels like family. It's such a safe, beautiful place to make music and to gain success with your friends and be able to celebrate that with your family 
cheer each other on. I mean, it's, you, you can't really do anything alone. I don't think life is supposed to be that way. So Nashville offers this really beautiful community for people to be able to like, just be on the songwriting journey together um, and all the heartbreak that comes out of it and all of the excitement and dreams coming true that comes out. I mean, it's just, it's a big freaking mess of just people and it's a web of some crazy shit. But I, um, yeah, I went to Belmont and Tom Douglas actually was my lyric writing teacher at Belmont. And, um, which is crazy that one of the most iconic lyric writers was my lyric writing teacher in college. And then to be able to go in a room with him a few years later and actually write songs with that person. And my publishers, they always wanted me to be the shittiest person in the room every day. They were like, that's how you'll become a good writer. We're going to do your concerts that you are the worst writer in the room every time. And I had, so I had to like rise to the occasion every day. And that muscle, that practicing that muscle of like rising to the occasion, they put me in a room with somebody like Tom Douglas or Nicole Galleon or Shane McAnally. And all of a sudden I was a better lyric writer because I had to be, I had no choice but to be that, you know? And then, you know, they put you in a room with somebody like Laura Veltz, who I love, or um, Hillary Lindsay or Natalie Hemby. And all of a sudden you're a better melody writer, you know? And you're, it's, it's just like, it, it, there's no, I can't put a price on growing as a writer in Nashville because there's a, there's a craft and there's a reverence for songwriting that I have that I don't know I, I would have gained learning to write anywhere else, you know? Absolutely. And, and it is great in LA and New York used to have a thing and I'm sure they still have something. Yeah. There's, you know, uh, Sweden, there were some hot spots. They all had their cool thing, but you were kind of on, there were little teams and they were kind of on their own. Mm-hmm. Nashville's still the place where you can really immerse yourself in a community, you know, yeah. and, 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 and make all that happen. And I think that one of, I was just kind of, when I was listening to you, I'm going to circle back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that's really interesting, and I think people will pick up on this about you, you have very serious Christian roots, but you know, you're like a self-confessional poet. You know, you're, you're pretty much opening up a vein on your stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's an unusual combination. And I think people love that. I think that's what it is. They're not used to seeing that kind of honesty. I really appreciate that. You know, I, um, I was raised a Christian and I have great parents. I, I don't regret anything about the way that I was raised. Um, but I definitely, I've, I've even, I really hate using the word Christian even because, um, you know, I think people hear that word and tack 20 things onto it that they yep. immediately think that means um, because Christians, the church, have, um, unfortunately, we haven't done the best job <laughs> of um, living out what it actually means to, you know, believe in the person that was Jesus. And so I, um, when I, I look at the truth of my roots, um, I have no choice but to confess and admit and be honest and be real and humble myself and not act like I'm some freaking pedestal, whitewashed, fake, got it all together person. You know what I mean? It's like when I look at the heart of what I believe, and honestly, I had to come to that place by, I mean, I lived my whole life trying to be a superhuman because that's what they taught you growing up. That's what, as a child, I internalized growing up in church. Like, okay, I have to, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't say this, blah, blah, blah. 
And again, it's not something my parents enforced in me, on me. It's just the, the nature of growing up that way for a kid, you know? And so, yeah, I spent a lot of my life trying to be superhuman. And when I became an adult and started questioning everything I'd been told my whole life, I realized, wait a minute, being superhuman is completely not the point of any of this. And um, yeah, I've pissed my grandma off a few times. I love my grandma. I've definitely pissed her <laughs> off a few times. Um, my mom has to listen to all my songs twice, once to get the cringe factor out of the way, the second time to hear the message <laughs> of what I'm saying. And and that's all good and that's fine. And I'm very, very proud of the way that I grew up. I There are things instilled in me that I'm so, so thankful for. Um, but I'm not living out anything I say that I believe unless I'm, I believe, unless I um, am just telling yeah. it all, bearing it all. And well, I don't think that's everybody's job in life. You know, I think as a writer, I have the power to do that. So why wouldn't I? And that's just yeah. me, you know? And it's beautiful. And it'll, it will make more people think for you to be honest than to give them some sort of cookie cutter you know, version of, look, I'm the perfect person, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Nobody really believes that. And I think being honest is so, you know, as you know, if you, if you, I, my first publisher, he was a crazy man, but he mm -hmm. said, he said a couple of things. One was, he said, however honest you can be as a writer is how good you can be. Mm -hmm. How, however honest you can be about your own work is exactly how good you can be. Yeah. And I, and I think it's true, you know, oh, I love that. Isn't that great? I love that. Mm -hmm. I, love that. I, I did a mentorship program at Belmont a couple years ago, and um, I was mentoring this girl, and um, I, well, I had to come up with assignments and, like, grade her. It was, like, very funny. But um, one of the assignments one week, um, I was like, I want you to write a song this week and about your deepest, darkest secret you've never told anybody. And... I want you to play it for me next week. So when I hear your song next week, I, I now know one person in the world now knows your deepest, darkest secret. And she did it, man. She came, I was like, oh, she's not going to do it. No balls. <laughs> and um, she literally, the next week came in and I was like, jaw on the floor. Like you did not just tell me that. And she signed a publishing with Shane McAnally, like yeah. months later. And I'm not saying it was because of, our work, but it was just her willingness to go there. Um, made me look at her and go, you're going to do it. You're going to kill well, it. And you, <laughs> she, like, she, was yeah, willing. she, I'm sure she has talent, but you, you helped her open that up. See, a lot of people don't either are afraid to do that or don't think they're supposed to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And we talk about it on the podcast all the time. I mean, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Go exactly where they would actually anybody who knows what they're doing wouldn't tell you not to go there. But there is some common wisdom on the street about writing that you have to write a song for someone else that's like this. When mm -hmm. the truth is you really have the best shot with opening a vein because yeah. we're all, like you said, we're all deep down, we're all the same. And anything that resonates with you is going to resonate with me in some way. Absolutely. I mean, it's, there are rooms of our heart that we, some of us, we just don't like to go into them. And that's the power of music is that at the end of the song, sometimes you open your eyes and you're standing in a room of your heart that you don't go into because either you've locked it for a reason and you don't go in there or you didn't know it was in there. And um, as a writer, like to be able to figuratively take somebody's hand and walk them down the hallway and drop them off at the room and go, okay, go in there. Like yeah. that's world changer shit to me. 
yeah. to me that is, you know what I mean? And, and if that's the mark I can leave on the world by like busting heart, I mean, that's the key to healing. You can't, you can't heal anything in yourself unless you admit. Yeah. They always say the first step in, in moving on from something is just admittance or getting over a, an addiction even is admittance. You know what I mean? Admitting yep. you have a, a problem in the first place. And so, yeah. And it's so fun. I, I feel like Indiana Jones sometimes like, what's the next thing I can, what's the next vein I can cut open I've, and just put into a song, you know? And it used to be like, I have to ask myself, Em, are you being truthful or are you being shocking? Because if you're just trying to shock people, that's, that's shallow water that you can only stand in for so long. But if you're being truthful, that's a deep freaking ocean. So if you can tap into that, like I can stand by that at the end of the day. I can, I can say, grandma, I love you. I'm putting out this song because it's true. Not grandma, I love you, but I just want to shock people. That, that's a shallow argument to me. So it's kind of like this Indiana Jones thing for me to be like, what's the next thing I can be like, what's the next truth I can like, you know, spill the beans on and just kind of, figure that out and it used to be like oh i made out a bar last night and i only did it because i'm xyz and blah 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 and really i was thinking this and and now i'm in a healthier relationship and you know i am moving into the stage of my life where you know i'm not stumbling out of bars into ubers with strangers anymore and i used to kind of almost lean on that as like the thing to be truthful and shocking about and so i'm kind of in a new exciting stage of my life where the truth sounds a little different now. Um, and it's, it's fun to unpack, find all the little truth, nod, like nodules and all this, in this healthy situation I'm in and, and try to bust those open. And it's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking under rocks these days for like new spins on truth to put out. So it's, it's, an it's, it's great. And I, I used to say it all the time. There's gold in them. There are hills. If you dig, <laughs> if you dig into stuff, like a lot of times I'd be in a session and if you throw out a title and people are like, Oh shit, I don't know. And then someone's like, yeah. oh, that's good that, but we can't do that. And then everyone's like right on the edge of, are we allowed to even touch that? Yes. Oh, that's where I want to be. Cause I, yes. I've learned, man, I got a lot of cuts doing that. I, people, mm -hmm that's where the that's where the gold is is like totally is. so i love to hear you talk about it because i think sometimes people don't know about that if it's uncomfortable if it's edgy if it makes you feel weird if it's like oh i could never talk about i mean that's a that's where you need to go right i had a song on my first project i ever put out called healthy i probably brought that idea into five rooms before somebody said yes let's write it um i felt like an idiot every time <laughs> I was like, I have this idea healthy, and it'd be like, and be like, eh, I don't know about that. That same moment you were just describing, and um, finally, I was writing Laura Belts and Josh Kerr, and Laura said, "Wait, that's cool," and we wrote healthy. And it's for people who don't know, it's a song about like, I I like dating guys who use me for sex and don't give a shit about me because if I dated a guy who actually cared and loved me and it was healthy, then I wouldn't know what to do with it. Like. You know, it's not in line with my beliefs about myself even. It's just, it's too healthy for me to, for me to, I, it feels like growing up in a way I'm not ready mm -hmm. to grow up yet. So um, it was, it was a special song and I, I felt like, hey, take that when I put it out. And so I, a couple of writers reached out to me and were like, man, I'm, I'm so pissed we didn't write it that day. <laughs> and so um, it was just kind of, yeah, it's, 
I'm very familiar with that moment you just described because there's nothing more fun to me. No, it's like, in, right. It's more fun. So fun. I'm, yeah. And not to, I'm, I don't, I try not to wander on in my thing, but. No, I love I, it. We're I, nerding out. I love okay, it. Okay. We're just talking, but I wrote with the Warren brothers one time and I was just, it just, if you, you know, you get in those moods, you're like, man, I just don't want to write another one of these damn songs. And I'm like, let's do something. I said, and I just thought of it. I said, let's just do something crazy. Uh, let's just write a, like a murder suicide. Right. Yeah. Which we did. And we, and we had a blast doing it. Yeah. You know, it got cut within like a week. Totally. It well, actually it works great. Be a better writer. And then people haven't, when you lean into truly what makes you unique, like your point of view unique and you embrace that and you not only embrace it, but balls to the wall, like ride or die with it. It's like people want to hear something they've never heard before, whether that be a sound or a perspective on something or, you know, so it's just mm -hmm. like, we spend so much time as creators with this pressure on us to succeed and to make money and to all of our to be playing arenas one day and all that. I put that pressure on myself this morning. I woke up and thought, man, I wonder if Corona is ever going to end and I'm going to make it into an arena someday, you know, but it's just like, so we all do that. But at the end of the day, you're never going to do that trying to please other people. You know, the way you're going to get there is by constantly continuously, consistently embracing what makes you unique and um, being an identifiable writer, artist, asset to the world and to towns like Nashville and to LA, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they want to write with you because it's like, we need so-and-so in the room because they do that. They're willing to go right. there and that's what I need, you know? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm nerding out on it with you for sure. Yeah. We'll be right back with more Emily Wiseband. And also as, as an artist, you know, for you as your artist career, think about in the social media world and all we deal with these days, mm -hmm. think about the amount of noise coming at a, a, a mm -hmm. consumer of music, which we all are, mm -hmm. even, you know, whatever. Think of the, 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 the amount of voices whispering at us for us to listen to them. I mean, yeah. you really need to say something that cuts through and, and that's your best shot is something like that. I mean, just to get someone's attention. And I wanted to talk yeah. about it. That's, I want to lead us into social media. Cause so you're doing like a full day a week of content, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Cause it's critical, yeah. right? For an artist career now. Um, yeah, it's, I'd say it's, um, you know, I'm still pretty new to the artist game, but it definitely, I've had to, I've had a lot of trial and error with this because you know, for a while, I, people would ask me to do like a makeup tutorial or something. So I try that and I'm like, man, I write songs. I love songwriting. Like I don't want to put makeup on in front of a camera and like tell them the freaking $5 cheap ass I shadow I bought at CVS because I hate walking into an Ulta. And so it's just like, I don't know. It, I tried that. I, I tried a few different things. And, and then, you know, there's this the 27 year old in me wants to be like rebellious to things like TikTok or, you know, things like that. But there is so much noise. And I shared something on my TikTok about like just the process of a song I had written and people loved it, you know, right, right. I started making more videos like that. Like writing is what I do. Any song you hear from me as an artist came out of my songwriter process, heart, mind. I want to share that with you. And so I started doing that more on my social media and I started enjoying social media again because 
I wasn't conforming to what I thought people do on social media anymore. You know, I was, and again, I'm, I'm new in this process um, of doing that, but I'm, I'm really enjoying getting on my social media and sharing the thing I love with everybody in the way that I want to share it, you know? And I think that's the power in social media is now there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who can kind of peek into the process behind how a song was written without, whereas before they just hear an artist sing a song and go, Oh, like that artist wrote the song, which in so many ways, yes, artists write songs, but I, I just mean like there's this whole songwriter world that I think people are still just kind of like connecting with and getting into and, and realizing is a, is a huge community and, and a thing. And so being able to share my process has been like really fun for me. And it's breathed a lot of like purpose and in life into social media for me. Cause I love purpose. I just, I'm on the constant search for purpose <laughs> and I'm going to be 80 and I'm going to have on the beach where I realized my purpose was to just be myself, but I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> but for now I'm like, man, I don't want to do another makeup video. I want to show people how I wrote the song I wrote today and what it sounds like. And, and you know, how many takes of the vocal I did to get it exactly how I wanted it. And, so, yeah, I would say it makes people feel connected to me as a writer and artist to show them that. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of makeup tutorials out there, you know, and I'm <laughs> sure you may have something to add to that, but we want to know what you do. People will love yeah. that. I think it's such a great, I mean, you have really, that is a great idea for anybody listening to how to put, and not that they need to do what you've done, just the yeah. concept of what do I do? What do I have to offer the world? And, mm -hmm. you know, using your social media that can be done in a way that's like very cookie cutter to not do that and to let them into your world that you love, the writing world, your fans will love that and you will build an army of fans. I mean, I can't imagine, there's going to be an army of girls who write their own poetry who love you, right? And being mm -hmm. brought into your yeah. process is genius. That's genius. You should definitely stay with that. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. I think a lot of people do that in their own way. And that's keyword exactly what you said, like my unique process, um, my unique perspective, my unique point of view, like no one is, no two people are going to describe a situation or a conversation the exact same way. There's not, you know, there are different words that stuck out to this person that didn't stick out to this person as much. And the tone in that person's voice made the conversation feel like this, whereas to that person, they didn't, they didn't view it that way. They thought the conversation kind of had this vibe and this tone, you know what I mean? And, and so when you really, I don't know, I, these days I'm all about just leaning into what makes me unique. And I don't mean like in a manufactured, I'm going to find things about me that are unique. I mean, like when I'm sitting in my room by my freaking self, what am I thinking about? Like, how do I process emotion? Like, what is the most mundane activity that I do and how my brain interacts with it? Like, I'm going to embrace that, you know, like I was, I went last night and I was reading my old Facebook statuses from when I was like 14 and just like seeing myself through that lens, I was like, Oh my God, I was way more moody and rebellious and all these things than I even realized I was, you know what I mean? Even that kind of made me see myself and go, I'm way more unique than I thought in a lot of ways, you know, even reading my statuses last night, I had that moment with myself of like, 
wow, I was a weird 14 year old and I thought I was normal, <laughs> but no, I was very, I was a very strange 14 year old. Yeah. And so just embracing those parts of me that are normal to me, but they're different to everybody else because sure. everybody's so different and trusting that truth and leaning into it. I mean, I just think it, it, you can't, you can't fail when you're doing that. And if no, you do and- fail, you at least know you failed being you right. and not and- trying to be something else. That that's right, and I've heard that. But you you don't you're not going. It, it it can't fail in the sense that if your idea is to connect with other people in the world, yes. right, and share your experience, you're really throwing that out to to resonate with them, so that yeah. you have some sort of camaraderie. I mean, if you add what you're saying of all the things we've, you've been discussing, and then sort of a goodwill on top of it. Mm-hmm. then it's like, it's very hard for it. I'm knocking wood when I say this, not to work because, yeah. you know, it's a positive thing in the world that's <laughs> making people, you know, feel, people, everyone feels better. When we hear something that someone else is going through that we've been through that, we don't feel like a freak, you know? Yes. And most Absolutely. people, most people, even though it's ironic as hell, we all feel the same way. We all feel like we're freaks. Mm-hmm. We're all crazy when we're not. We're all the same, you know? We're all very, very normal for humans. Yeah, we're all the same. Well, I have also, a friend. Yeah, go ahead. You make a real, well, you make a really good point Define what's your definition of success. You know, like is your definition of success 10 number ones? Cause I know people with 10 number ones who still don't have a Grammy and that's their definition of success. You know, and I know people with Grammys who don't have 10 number ones and that's all they want. And then I know some artists who their music's found a hundred people freaking love the crap out of them and they feel like they've made it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and I know and they'll other be happier. Who, Those ones will be yeah. happier. Yes. And I know other people who quit music altogether, got married and had kids and they feel on top of the freaking world. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so it's just like, what is your definition of success? And to be honest, like, I wouldn't say mine is mine is. Yeah, I do want the Grammys and I want the number ones, but deep in my deep heart, I'm working toward my definition of success being um, just making music that I'm proud of and living a full life, being who I am with my people. You know, music 2020 was great for me because music in a lot of ways went from who I am to what I do because you do move to Nashville and it's about building, how can I build my reputation today? I'm as good as the song I wrote today. I'm as good as the producer who texted my publisher after the right set I was today, you know? And 2020, I wrote two hours on Zoom a day and then the other 22 hours of the day, I had to go figure out what I'm actually about. Like, who am I outside of making music? And I love to cook, you know? I love to cook. I actually really like going on hikes, didn't even really know it. Um, Cause I've never really had time to go on hikes, but I love going on hikes. And um, I fell in love in 2020 and I, in a deeper way than I think I ever have, because I've always been dating my music. And um, I don't know. It, it's just like, it was a huge gift to me. I know 2020 was a hard year for, for a lot of people. It was hard for everybody in unique ways, but um, music that truly is me because I'm not trying to build my reputation while I do it. You know, I, I, I'm, music is what I do and I'm going to do it really well because I know who I am outside of it, who my identity rely on how well it does by world standards, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, just kind of connecting with the truth of that 
Um, it's just made me really excited going into 2021, the new music that I'm working on and going to be putting out. It's just, I'm, I'm feeling very extra and very balls to the wall because I have nothing to lose, you know? I'm feeling extra for you too. Thank I'm, thinking, you. I'm, having, I'm having a lot of thoughts. The number one I wrote down was, <laughs> you're awfully young to have this much shit figured out. So congratulations. Oh. <laughs> congratulations. Because life is meaning. And a lot of people mm. get further down the road and they have, they have checked these boxes of accomplishment. And that could be money or their job or their awards or any of these things. And they can run down that road and then they ended up at a Tony Robbins seminar realizing, you know, yeah. crying tears. <laughs> I'm not saying this is me, probably was, but oh, yeah. realizing what he's saying is true is that it, it, without the context of meaning, uh -huh. it is meaningless, you know? And yeah. so it's great to hear you talk about that. And then another thing you said is who I am to what I do. Mm. And that's a, that's a pretty uh, hefty thought too. Um, we can get really caught up in that too, I think, as, as, mm -hmm. as you know, when you start to have some success. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I won a Grammy in 2017. I was 23 years old. And I've stood yeah. on that Grammy stage and given a really shitty speech that probably offended a lot of people because I think I said I like had a cold and I had to pee. Thank you, Jesus. Have a good day. Mm -hmm. Like it was not a, a good, you know, speech by any means. But I remember standing on this Grammy stage and just, I can't believe this just happened. Like for the rest of my life, I'm Emily Wise being Grammy award winning. Yeah. singer songwriter you know what i mean and it was so fun for about a day and then this intense anxiety set in on me that now i have to live up to mm -hmm. that like if it never happens again it was a fluke number one number two every room i go into i have to write a song worthy of a grammy award-winning songwriter you know right. what i mean and the yeah. pressure and the anxiety and the honestly depression that that kind of like put on me early this like there's there were a lot of parts of myself in my life that I kind of stuffed down and didn't acknowledge because now game was on you know like now I had to live up to this abstract idea that I'm now a Grammy award-winning songwriter which let's be real only who really remembers who won a Grammy three years ago? Like, I'm not sure to be any kind of way, but like, no, yeah, no, nobody absolutely. remembers that stuff. No, it's a, it's a great achievement. And you know, songwriting yeah. is a smaller niche profession that people are interested mm -hmm. in, but it's not like being president or winning yeah. the Super Bowl. but it is a great thing. It is, it a, is great a great thing. thing. And I know what you're talking about. I've talked to it to many people. I experienced it myself. Mm -hmm. You can get a great thing like that, a Grammy or a big song and, <clears throat> It can really leave you, and you know, you you don't want to tell anybody. You know what I mean? You yeah. know, because it's like nobody gives a shit about that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and I get that, but it can definitely leave a, a giant hole in you. It did for me. I ended up in therapy after the first big hit I had, yeah. and uh, just because I felt I did feel empty, and I had a great therapist who sang the, like the first visit. She goes, "Do you know that old?" Um, Peggy Lee song. And I'm like, no. And I had to look it up later, but it was called, mm -hmm. is that all there is? And she sang that to me. Yeah. And I remember thinking, man, she is really smart. Cause that's what it was. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you wind your whole life up for this thing. Right. And you're, mm -hmm. and you, and even at 23, you had worked hard. I guarantee you, you had, mm -hmm. and you finally get that. And then it's like, wow, you know, is that, as I'm asking, is that close to the yeah. experience for you or is it different? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was, and to be honest, to be really honest with you, here's the yeah. real honesty for you. I was angry that I had won a Christian Grammy because why? number one, I was not super into my beliefs at the time. And when I say beliefs, I mean, just like I, I came out of church growing up thinking I'm tired of performing. I'm tired of all the rules. I'm tired of like, look. And so when I found it for myself, I realized, Oh, it's not about rules. It's not about all those things. And I, I found an authentic like faith and relationship with God on my own. And it kind of changed the definition of what it means to be a Christian for me. But, um, at the time I was annoyed. I was like, of course, I moved to Nashville to write country music that I literally moved to Nashville to become a country songwriter. And, um, of course I would win a Grammy for a church song. I remember being mad and like ungrateful for it. And I hate, like, I hate that. But at the same time, it, yeah, it was fun for a day. And then it was like, I was just pissed that it wasn't a country Grammy. Well, and also you were 23, you were 23. You might not have known what you know now. And it's easy to, what I love is you telling me. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Definitely my experience. Now I'm so grateful looking back. I'm like, man, any ounce of success I have is a gift. I'm not going to go through my, I'm, I go through my life. I expect good things to happen because I believe in myself. I believe in my life. I believe in just the beauty that is, you know, the journey. And if mm-hmm. I show up every day and I do what, you know, I do what I do well, like, cool stuff's going to happen, but I don't want to go through my life not enjoying. I've put myself on autopilot almost like you hear no so much in music that you start numbing yourself to the nose so that you have the endurance to keep going. But then when you get the yes, you're numb to that too because you've numbed your heart in general. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to go through my life not even noticing or realizing when something good does happen, you know, because I'm so obsessed with, just getting the next thing, like doing the next thing. And, and so the next time I, I plan on winning another Grammy. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I plan on it. And um, I'm going to soak that the freak up. Yeah, you will. And, and you will. I, and it will. I'm not going to it, but you will. And it's also, um, you, you got a great lesson there too. That's that everyone has to learn. I think doing this, we, we don't control this. You can't control what kind of song gets written. You can't control who records it. You don't, you can't control if it gets good radio promotion or not. You don't control any of it. And maybe at 23, you were thinking a little bit like, well, I didn't want to present myself to the world like this first, but it doesn't work like that. Nope. It doesn't. And I remember Googling myself (laughs) like when I was 24, just to see what popped up, you know? Sure. And um, if you're listening to this and you are judging me for that, I know you've done it too. Shut the hell up. I Googled myself but, last night. Yeah. <laughs> and it said, Emily Wiseman, Christian, Christian gospel writer. And I just was like. Oh, That's what you didn't cool. want, right? You didn't yeah, want that. Yeah, exactly what I didn't want. But why didn't I want that? Like, I even think about that stuff, but that should have could have what I like, whatever. I um, I feel so genuinely blessed that I get to write so many kinds of music and be a part of so many different, you know, avenues of music making. And I, I get to reach different groups of people that maybe some other people don't get to reach because I 
they are fully one thing and that's great. And they do that one thing very, very well. Um, but I do get to do a few different things. And, um, so yeah, I'm just, whatever. It's part of my story. It makes me, me, I'm going to, um, ride that. I, one time I said, dad, am I extra? He said, hell yeah, you are baby. Get on that bull and ride it. Yeah. I was like, okay, so I, yeah. that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm, you got one. That's I'm a magic a, song. That's a magic song, man. Who cares what genre it is? It's the actual magic song. Okay. And you've got several of those. It's a, it's a blessing beyond belief to be given oh. those kind of songs. And you, you know, we could go on and on about that. I do want to talk before I lose you here. Cause we're coming up on an hour. Um, your new project is called not afraid to say goodbye, right? Is it an yes. acoustic collection of those songs that's coming out? Yes. So talk, let's putting, talk about that. Okay. So, um, you know, I, you know, as a writer, it never stops. A song's done and you still hear something you want to do different or like, oh, it'd be cool if we did this. Or blah. And my brain, I mean, the, the creativity in there, it's like, it can't be caged. Um, so I really wanted to, I, I love these songs and I love what they say. And I know that we are in a pandemic year and I didn't want to just leave them where they were. I wanted to kind of milk them as much as I could and wring the rag dry, if you will. So um, we, I made a reimagined acoustic version of my EP. On the 22nd with, uh, yeah. with this? And I yes, think we're going to, you'll be out with us maybe right after that. Perfect. So yeah, um, that's what this is. It's an it's a acoustic EP, but it's also a reimagined EP. Um, if a song on, so like Dumber, for instance, is a fully produced little bop on the project. I wanted it to be a strict piano ballad. There's no extra vocals. There's no extra instruments. It's just my vocal and a piano. Um, basically, whatever the song was on the EP, I wanted to make it the complete opposite of what it was on the EP on the new project. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I think a song is great produced. And if you can play the same song acoustic and it's still a great song, I think that's the true test. Um, and I felt like I could do that with all of these songs and I wanted to show that. And I also wanted to, you know, reimagine them, give people something new to listen to when they heard these songs. Um, because yeah, I, I, I try to write in a way that can be, that is point blank and it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but melodically musically, it could be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Um, I've well, a lot of different kinds of music too, you know? So yeah. yeah, that's, that's what this new EP is. And it also strikes me that it may be exactly what you were talking about as your, your mm -hmm. other social media, where you're kind of bringing your fans a little bit closer to your process with it, just yeah. you and one instrument. That's a little bit more like being in the writer's room and yeah. maybe you're just instinctually kind of moving Absolutely. it that way because yeah. that's kind of gets them closer in the room with you. Definitely. It also shows some of my influences, you know, I, um, my projects are pop projects, but I am really inspired by the Carpenters and the Beatles. And, and I know most people are inspired by the Beatles, but way I say goodbye, for instance, on the EP, it's a piano ballad on the acoustic project. It's an acoustic Beatles BGVs moment. You know, um, yep. your cool is, is kind of a, electro piano anthem moment on the project but 
on the new EP. I loved Michelle Branch growing up. I listened to Michelle yeah. Branch so much. And Michelle Branch was kind of my inspo behind your cool re- reimagination, you know, just kind of like that early 2000s girl pop um, sound, you know, and then mm-hmm. dumber piano ballad just because it's the complete opposite and why not. And then um, out of this car, I love Imogen Heap. I think Me she too. is so, um, God, golly, she's just like transcendent <laughs> to me. Um, so I wanted to do some weird vocal stuff and, and just yeah. kind of, yeah, just show some extra influences. Maybe I wouldn't show on one of my personal projects, um, but be able to reimagine these songs into, you know, sonically just kind of dip my toes into some other music that I really love. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. Any chords I didn't get to strike on the project I got to strike on the reimagination of it. So well, I, I can't that. wait. I cannot wait to listen to it. And I, I, I uh, hope that everyone listening goes straight out for it. Um, I'm sure it'll be available in all the usual places. Um, oh, yeah. I've had an hour of your time, so I'm going to let you go. And, and I want to. Oh, first no, thing, this is first so thing, Well, first thing I want to say is if they sold uh, Emily Wiseband stock, I would buy it. But I don't think they oh, do. Okay. Because I, ha- I, <laughs> I, 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 I smell an empire here. You're, um, you are oh, so baby. talented <laughs> and so keyed in and, a con- you know, obviously able to follow through, but a real artist. And that's just, you know, that's the home run shot. I'm, I'm knocking my wood on the desk when I say that for you, but man, you're impressive. you are impressive. And I know everybody knows that, but I'm just telling you, you're impressive, man. Really. I appreciate really. that. I appreciate and, that. A performance-based person in me loves, loves that comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being on pitch list and uh thank you. um maybe when, I forgot we were on it. We were just talking. Yeah. Everyone listen to the podcast. I'm really just trying to put them in the room with us. If we were doing this live, we would just all get in one room and talk. Sure. That's and and that's what I like to do. But um I really appreciate your time on this. Oh, and uh thank you. maybe I, when we do our next season, we could come back and check in with you. I I think I'm just a yes. huge fan. I'm, Thank I'm, you. I'm fan so crushing fun. on you. I think you're amazing. Oh, stop amazing. that. No, well, I'm putting out it. more music. Um, I have a, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but um, new music beyond the CDP starts coming out in February. So awesome. I will definitely have anything things to talk about soon. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. Really appreciate thank it. you. Okay. I appreciate it. It's good to see All you. Right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. Produced in partnership with the American Songwriter Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. For exclusive content from this week's guest and more, you can visit our website at pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. To hear songs written and or recorded by today's guest, check out this week's playlist by finding us on Spotify at Pitch List Podcast. Plus, don't forget to let us know on social media what songwriter, musician, or music business professional you want to hear from next. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.